to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. Welcome back to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. I'm Dad. And I'm Zane. And we're back here in the recording studio after about a half a year hiatus. Really? Half a year? Wow. It's been a while. It has been a while. In between the last episode and this one, you have graduated into middle school and started there. I have ruptured my Achilles tendon and had surgery and largely recovered from that. That was all fun dandy. And um, I'm really excited to do this personally because we thought we weren't going to do any more episodes after. Well, I always knew we were going to do more. Oh, well... Maybe I did too, but... Right, you just went to school and thought of other things. Your mind turned to history and climate change. So here we are anyway. We're back on the Zane and Dad Radio Hour podcast, episode two. We are also going to start making this a regular thing. Sure, well now it's regular. Now it's every half year, at least. Yeah, we're probably going to make it much shorter than that, so you guys won't have to wait that long. We're going to try to accelerate our production schedule. We've already got some ideas, but the main idea that we had to start our return is habits, ticks, and addictions. Nobody's perfect. In this hour, that saying will really come to life. It will, indeed, in many ways, because we're going to explore habits, ticks, and addictions, which are the little foibles that make every human being unique. And sometimes they also make the human being crazy. Or annoying. They or also they also make people... Weird. And yeah. maddening, troublesome. Uh, so we're going to look at the things that make us unique in some ways and make us annoying and horrible to other people in other ways. That's going to be our episode. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun episode. Thanks for listening again and stick around as we get into Habits, Ticks, and Addictions. Episode 2. Of the Zane Dad Radio Hour. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. So Zane, you've been talking about addictions an awful lot lately, and I know they've been on your mind. Are there any particular addictions that you've come across that you find to be interesting? Some favorites of yours that you might want to share? I don't really have a favorite because they're all really crazy. What I think I'm going to do is I'm going to lit. I'm, I have my list right here. A list. And I'm going to read all of them. I can't pick a favorite because they're all. Well, maybe at the end, Pretty crazy. we can, you and I can vote on our favorites. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm just going to start talking. Acting like furniture, being an adult baby, eating sand. Wait a minute. Acting like furniture is an addiction? Um, People are addicted to acting like furniture? I think it's very rare. I think it's just one person. Sure. Why don't you start the list again? I know I interrupted you. I just, I was right off the bat, I was yeah. kind of thrown. Addicted uh-huh. to acting like furniture. Yeah, like like washing machines and couches. The girl, the girl that I found, she like I think her hand like got a really bad cramp from acting like a washing machine for three hours. Well, sure. Yeah, that's a tough addiction on the body. Yeah. Okay, so I'll start the list again. Acting like furniture, being an adult baby, eating sand, eating rocks, eating the stuffing of mattresses, eating her husband's ashes, drinking blood. Wait a minute. 
people are addicted to eating their husband's ashes. Well, how, um, I mean, how can you do that more than once? Only one, only one that I found. Some of, most of these are only one person. Okay. They're not like overall things. Right. So that's a, so. There's no twelve step program for eating your husband's ashes. I know, but so this, I did a little research on this one, the little background. So. This woman, she had a, a husband. He died early because of, I think it was cancer or something. Tragic. He was cremated. The wife was very devastated. And so she put, take the bag of ashes, put them in a box and carried it around everywhere. And she like, she would like refer to the box, to the ashes as her husband. Like someone would come to you, oh, who, oh, you're, wa- who's watching with you? Oh, me and my husband. Or like they would say, um, are you? Are you watching TV? Yeah, me and my husband. And so she was so she was so addicted to actually having her husband in her life that she carried his ashes around even after he had died and been cremated. Uh huh. But one day she opened the box for some reason and some ash got on her finger and she didn't want to just wipe it away because that was her husband. Sure. So she ate it and apparently it tasted good because now she can't stop. So she's eating her husband. Like she opens the box and there's like a bag and she just like dips her finger in and licks her finger. Wow. Like, so like Doritos. For you ladies out there who have husbands who someday will probably die, as we all do, the greatest devotion that you could possibly show, I would say, is to become addicted to eating his ashes. Yeah. Keep, keep going with the list. That's all definitely right. a fascinating story. So from there is drinking blood, bee stings, dating much older woman like grandma age, tanning, plastic surgery, funerals, eating glass, eating dirt, chewing and eating. Wait a minute. Okay, now I got to stop you again. There's a lot of things there I can understand getting addicted to easily, but mm-hmm. eating glass? I actually don't know how that happens. How? I mean, you have to do it the first time to get addicted. When I was a little kid, actually, I like we had we had this door that has just like six panes of glass. Uh-huh. And one day, I think I like I was curious, and so I like put my hand through it, and I my hand was bleeding, and we. And, and you uh, ate some of that glass? No, no, no. Like I was saying, like, no, I'm saying like, um, like maybe someone did that, and, like glass shard landed on their mouth, and, like, mm, that's pretty good. Ugh, nom, nom. I don't know. I actually do not yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be something like that because you wouldn't be sitting down to your bowl of Cheerios one morning saying, I don't know, Cheerios aren't crunchy enough. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's think, what would be crunchy? What would stay crunchy in milk? I know, glass. Yeah, like how would That's that... not going to happen. So how? it has to be some kind of accident where you get glass in your mouth and then you say, yeah. hey, that's not so bad. Yeah. Wow, okay. Right. So now it's, I'm on uh, to the back of this paper. So are you ready? I am always ready. Eating cigarettes... And the ashes, eating nail polish or drinking it, intimately addicted to his to a car, like sexually and like having like sex with sexually, it. like having sex with it with the car. Yes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than eating glass. Keep going. <laughs> Drinking and smelling gasoline, eating air freshener spray, eating bricks, putting on a a rubber doll costume. Now that one makes a lot of sense. It does. You do that once, and you're hooked. It's a seventy year old man. Every day, I think it is, he like he has this rubber silicone suit and he like put powder in it and he dresses up as Sherry, who is like this young woman. And I think he does it because he wants to look younger. But like, get some plastic yeah. surgery, dude. Don't dress up in a creepy doll costume. Right. Get addicted to uh, having your face lifted or your or plastic surgery or, plastic or eating glass because like it's. It, what, I should show you the picture. <laughs> what, you think glass is nutritious? No, I, I don't want to see a picture of any I, of this stuff. It, None no, of it. But like it's yeah okay so should I go on? <laughs> oh absolutely. All right, addicted to, to water, chewing cat hair, searching the drain for hair. Wait looking. a minute, aren't we all addicted to water? Drinking um, water. Well, like this guy, he like drinks like a bunch of water. Like he he um 
Like, I mean, we're not really addicted to water. We just can't survive without it. But, like, this guy, I think he just drinks a ton of water. Right, he can't stop. He can't stop, But yeah. that, you know, for me, that raises a question of what does constitute an addiction. Because I would say that we, while we do have to drink water to survive, evolution has addicted us to drinking water. And so the entire human race uh-huh. shares this addiction. And this gentleman simply has a very extreme case of it. Raises a question for me. What is an addiction? How hooked on it do you have to be, and how out of the ordinary does that hooked behavior have to present itself in order to be considered an addiction? Ooh. Just a question. Speaking of out of the ordinary, this isn't an addiction. This is just something I found, but I found it really fascinating. There's a woman who eats nothing but french fries. She literally cannot eat anything else. Literally? She physically physically cannot eat anything else she, uh, she well it, what happens to her when she tries um she like they did an experiment on the tet like she tried rice for the first time and she like she like she had a gag reflex she could only do like one grain and like even then she was she was a little sickish and so it was it's pretty crazy do you know if they tried to feed her uh glass because i don't know <laughs> if i was the experimenter i said okay you claim to be addicted to french fries but have you tried this bowl of glass no yet? she's not addicted to french fries that's the only thing she can eat oh. it's not an addiction that's it's not it's like more like a like a picky eater she's the most extreme picky eater in the world maybe not but like one well, of I them well i mean how much if you're any pickier than that you're going to starve to death right yeah and um she, i like her physical test like at the doctor she is nothing nothing's wrong with her and they didn't say why like so you can be a perfectly healthy person and yeah. still consume only French fries and probably water every once in a yeah. while. No, she she has no yeah she has no she um she she can drink anything she wants, but when it comes to food, all she eats is French fries. Oh, that's lucky for her. All right, on with the list. All right, uh, chewing cat hair, searching the drain for hair, looking like Justin Bieber, bathing in bleach, eating plastic slash plastic bags, carrying a pillow everywhere. This is my second page. Eating paint pens, eating drywall, eating bullets, compulsive cleaning. There's an awful lot of eating things that are not foods. <laughs> I completely understand being addicted to eating only or addicted to water or yeah. that you're the only thing you can eat is french fries. Uh-huh. I can even understand being addicted to eating dirt because dirt does have nutrients. But all of these other things, bullets? Yeah, maybe like it would be like. So How do you get these addictions? I, I can imagine a crook like aiming and like he ducks just in time and he's opening his mouth, bang! Like he doesn't mean to open his mouth, but, like shoots his mouth and he eats it. Mmm, good. Hey, crook, you shoot. Give me another one. Um. Yeah, but, I mean, it's got it's got to be something where for the first time you eat a bullet and then you say, "Wow, that was really good." Or you don't say that. Somehow you say, I'm hooked. I, got, I can't stop myself. Yeah, I don't... Like the I, woman eating the ashes of her uh, cremated dead husband, that kind of makes sense to me because there's a psychological connection there. But glass, bullets, what, were, what else was on the list? I don't even want to know. Just keep going. Okay. It's too crazy for me. Um, compulsive cleaning, drinking your own pee, mothball sniffing, sleeping with a blow dryer, eating toilet paper, buying shoes compulsively... Being together. Wait, can I stop on this one? Because this is actually a really interesting. Addicted one. to being together. So there are these two twins who um they are addicted to being together. They they like eat the exact same thing at the same weight, drink the exact same thing at the same like like um they will literally get out a food scale to make sure they're eating the exact same amount of food. That and is, they, I would say, troubling yeah. to be one of those people. As all addictions seem to be 
a behavior that you're stuck with that is not particularly pleasant. I mean, sleeping with a blow dryer, that's probably not so bad. You're addicted to that. Maybe your power bill goes up a little bit. Maybe people think you're a little strange, but that doesn't seem so destructive. A lot of these other ones seem kind of destructive to your ability to have anything like a regular life. Unless, of course, you just eat, you know, you're addicted to eating bullets once a month. Yeah. Every first of the month, I pay my mortgage, I eat a bullet. Yeah. I I just can't stop. I'm hooked on it. Uh Uh-huh. And um, they can't they can't be apart for um, over thirty minutes, and the reason is because they are twins. And as I mentioned before, and um, one day, one of the twins is twenty pounds heavier than the other, and people are like, oh, that's what? the fat twin, that's the thin twin, and so that that's their origin. They didn't want to be like called out, and so they decide to. Um, well, that is the best origin of an addiction story that you've told, and and got to be one of the most understandable ones. Yeah, who yeah. wants to be the fat one of the twins? Yeah, right. Absolutely, or the thin one. I mean, who why why would who would want to be differentiated? So they went the completely other direction in order to be exactly the same. They weigh their food. Yeah, well, I mean, they they approximate. Usually, they approximate, but if 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 it gets really close, they pull out their scale to make sure they're eating the amount. The right oh amount. wow! All right, and human then, beings. All right, um, I want to start a bait up so we can. Okay. Write. Buying shoes, being together, a stuffed lamb, sniffing gum, and this guy scrapes Wait, it. Wait, stuffed lamb. Eating, a, eat. Not eating a stuffed lamb, like being with a stuffed lamb. Like being this, with a stuffed lamb. This, oh, right. You're addicted to your your whoopee or your 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 pet, your this, fake. This girl. Your stuffed she, animal. This girl is is actually like 20 or 26, I think. Uh, she got her stuffed lamb when she was like a kid. When she was a kid, and um, she like she just felt a connection to it, and <laughs> she hasn't put it down since. Like that's a strong connection. It goes with her everywhere. You like, said she's 26 now. Um, I think I don't know. I, I think he's like she's in her twenties, but I'm not actually sure. Okay. And like I've in the time to put down the stuffed lamb. And move on. On the video, uh, the strange addictions video. You saw a video of this woman. Like I've seen a video of a couple of these things. Some okay. are already skimmed, but others I I watched the video. All right. And um, in this video, she was like, you know, those like um things where you hold your baby in like that the thing like the mm-hmm. front backpack. She was carrying her stuffed lamb in it. Well, good. At least she's found a way to make sure she has two hands free yeah. to go about her daily life with uh-huh. her stuffed lamb in a baby Bjorn front <laughs> backpack. Yeah, and um, sniffing gum. And this guy, he um, he scrapes used gum off like um under like um off walls. I don't know if I want to hear this. under the chair under the chairs of school, but he doesn't do it during school, of course, because okay. the the principals <laughs> get that would be weird. Get, yeah. And, um, okay, dead stuffed animals, ventriloquism, cats, hairless rats acting like a pony, looking like a doll, coffee enemas, growing long... That's, um, I'm going to back you up. It's coffee enemas. Oh. An enema is a form of treatment uh, for your colon that involves putting a liquid up your anus and flushing out your colon with a a, a fluid of some kind. And... I don't know why someone would want a coffee one. I know that pe- some people claim that enemas feel nice. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is like a way to feel nice and also to get your morning caffeine all in one jolt. Growing long hair, eating deodorant, butt injections, growing long toenails slash fingernails. Butt injection? Like, I think it's like surgical. This In this video, I just watched like a little clip They of inject it. something into your butt or they inject you with a butt? <laughs> I think they like jack something to make your butt bigger, and um, this girl or this woman, excuse me, she, I saw a little clip and she said she went from for her pants she went from size two to a size ten. Oh, so she's addicted to butt injections. Yeah, okay. it's, all right. So, Takes all kinds. 
<laughs> growing long toenails and fingernails, burying dead animals, eating cat treats, and eating and chewing tape. That's your list. That's my list. Addictions. Now, I can't help but notice that your list of addictions tends towards the bizarre consumption of things. Yeah, that, that was the majority of the addictions I found were eating stuff. Right, and then, of course, there are the more standard addictions of you know being addicted to drinking alcohol, being addicted to taking certain kinds of drugs yeah. like heroin or cocaine, uh-huh. uh, being addicted to gambling, yeah. being addicted to... I don't know what. What else? What would be off the top of your head? What's another um, standard addiction? Um, actually, I'm addicted to chapstick a little bit. You are. I'm. I. I How did that happen? I don't know. I think I just like. I think I just started taking too much chapstick, and then eventually I just couldn't be without it. I'm trying to quit. Oh gosh. How's like that a, going? I sound like a heroin user. You're trying to quit. Jesus. How's it? How's it Jesus. going? Um, I think it's doing pretty good. I'm making good progress. Oh, good. I sound like a, I sound like I'm like a dopey dude. On yeah, heroin. well, that is one thing about addictions is that the things that people say when they have them can be just a touch embarrassing. Yeah. So I'll let you off the hook here and I'll say, thanks for the great list of addictions. Thank that you. was impressive mm-hmm. and informative, yeah. disturbing, mm-hmm. uh, interesting, frightening, revealing, fascinating, and long. There are plenty of other ones. Should I? Should plenty I? of other ones. Not, I don't no, know that I can other, take anything. No, I mean, not other ones, but like that. what I was, I mean, there are, there actually are a lot of other things that I didn't go to, but, um, well, I think you, you yeah. did more than enough. Now back to my original question, and maybe it's harder even now than it was before. Do you have a favorite addiction? I have a favorite of your list. You I do? Don't. Really? Oh, absolutely. What is, what is it? Uh, it's the it's the uh, being addicted to eating your husband's ashes. Really? Why? Oh, well, it's. A, I mean, what more could I'm a husband, and I will someday be ashes, most likely. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope that my wife, your mom, uh, gets addicted to eating my ashes. I mean, I don't know if I hope that really, but if she did get addicted to that somehow. Uh, I don't find that objectionable. Okay. So that's my favorite one, only because also it has a great story behind it. Uh, I would say my second favorite one, only because we talked about it quite a bit, is the eating glass. Yeah. And because I can imagine that, you know, it's, yeah, it's crunchier than, you know, cereal gets <laughs> soggy in milk and glass doesn't. So yeah. there you go. It's easy to see how people get hooked on that. Yeah. Um, is, there no, is there no other ones that you like to talk about in this list? I, you, you know, want- I think I'm going to have to... Sp- spend an awful lot of time trying to forget some of the things on this oh, list. Oh, really? So it's possible that I now have been addicted to trying to forget some of the things on your list of addictions. Yeah. Really? Which ones do you want to forget? Which ones are the most... Most of them. I'm already trying really? to forget them. Like, name, name a few of the ones that you really want to forget. Uh, something about wearing a duck costume, the oh, eating of no, bullets. not doll costume. No, doll <laughs> duck, co- duck costume. Okay, doll costume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I'm already trying to forget them and... <laughs> Well, that was a fascinating report from Zane Emerson and his list of addictions. So I'm in my classroom during lunch. It is 12.04. My name is Liam, and um, I'm in Zane's class. I go to his school. And um, I have a disease called Tourette's syndrome. Should I explain what that is? Yeah, just like to give a little so background. Pretty much, it like gives me random twitches and noises that I make with my mouth that I can't really control. 
when did you first know that you had Tourette's? Or how, and how did you find out? I think um, I was diagnosed with it by a doctor. And I think I was diagnosed around second grade, about, I think. How did you or your parents think to diagnose it? Were you behaving weirdly? or? I think that they noticed something happening with my behavior or something or other. Or maybe I went to a doctor and they asked about it. I don't exactly remember. I'm pretty, I think they noticed some, I think they may have noticed it or like noticed that I was ticking and wonder and wanted to go to a doctor and ask if I actually had Tourette's syndrome because of the difference between ticking and having Tourette's and yeah. So how is having Tourette's what kind? What? How the, have the struggles been? Has it like impacted you at all? Or it hasn't really had a major impact, except some people will ask me why I do it. But it's pretty easy to explain. And also, I have a medical card that explains what it is, so I can just show that to people. Okay, I think that's it. Um, thanks. Thanks for talking to me, Liam. This yeah. is great. All yeah. right, bye. After my interview with Liam, I wanted to know more about Tourette's, so I devised this game. It's called Fact or Fake. Tourette's edition. In this, I'm going to list 10 facts. I'm going to tell them to my dad, and he's going to have to determine if they are real or if they're fake. 10 questions, fact or fake, about Tourette's. Go. All right. Question number one. One in 100 children have some form of Tourette's syndrome. Fact or fake? Fact. Correct. Ding! That's one for dad. Also, fun fact, this is the same percentage of children with autism. Interesting. Fact. Number two. Number two. Less than 10% of people with Tourette's syndrome swear. Fake. Wrong. It's true. It's, oh. a, it's true. Less than 10% of people mm-hmm. with Tourette's swear. Yeah. It's a, I would notice like it's, a, it's kind of a stereotype that people with Tourette's swear a lot. but There it is. True. And I fell right into the stereotype. All right. I'm one for one. Number three. All right. Number three. More than 79% of people with Tourette's syndrome also have comorbid conditions. Like ADD and ADHD. Fake. Wrong. It's a uh, fact. Okay, so I'm one for three. So far we have three facts mm-hmm. and I have one correct answer. Number four. People with Tourette's syndrome can control their tics. Fake. Correct. Ding. Good job. All right, um, I'm, two, a, I'm two for four. It's a misconception that people can learn to um, stop their tics. They can hold them at times, but eventually they have to release them. All right, people without Tourette's can learn to control their tics, I imagine. And people with Tourette's, that's the nature of the syndrome, that you can't control them. Mm-hmm. Okay, number five. Tourette's syndrome affects the intelligence of a person. Fake. Correct. Ding. All right, three for five. Any interesting facts about that? Oh, yes. It does not affect the intelligence of the person. In fact, most children with Tourette's syndrome have above normal or high intelligence levels. Interesting. So, okay. yeah. All know. right. Number six. Ticks are usually worse during times of stress or excitement. Fact. Correct. Ting. Good job. They four te- for six? Yeah. Am I four for six now? Uh, yeah. I th- four for six. Yeah. Fun fact. They tend to improve when a person is calm and focused on an activity. Interesting. Okay. So, so you can't control your tics, but they can but stress can make them worse and calmness can make it less bad. But yes. you can't eliminate it. Okay, number seven. Even though symptoms can change or appear or disappear, the condition is chronic. Fact. Correct. Ting. You're doing well now. Alright, yes. moving on. Number yeah. eight. Alright, number eight. Individuals with Tourette's syndrome are not aware of an urge to time. Fake. Correct. Ting. Darn it. Eight for no. Six for eight. 
What are you the, saying darn it for? Are you trying to fool me? I yes, thought, I am trying to fool you. That's the point. I'm, oh. I'm, I thought this was just a general quiz. I didn't realize that it was well, some I mean, kind of obstacle course of knowledge. Well, not really. I, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. Um, I understand. Right. The desire right. to trip up your father, yes. that's a, mm-hmm. I'll call that a tick. Mm-hmm. Individuals with Tourette's syndrome are aware of an urge to time, similar to that of a sneeze or an itch. They ascribe it as a buildup of tension, pressure, or energy. The actual tick is a means of releasing or relieving this tension. Understood. Number nine. All right. Tourette's syndrome affects males three to four times more than females. Fact. Correct. Ting. Wow. All right. Seven for nine. So right. it's more common. Tourette's is more common among yeah. men. Okay. Number 10. Children who suppress their ticks have a better time paying attention than when they are not. Fake. Correct. Ting. Eight, four, ten. That's yeah. a solid B. I'm a solid B student yeah. when it comes to fact or fake. Tourette's edition. Thank you. Children who try to suppress their tics while at school have a hard time focusing on what the teacher is teaching. Suppression of tics is physically exhausting, making it hard for them to live up to their potential at school. So you did really well, except for um, number the two. two that I got wrong. Yeah. And so good job. I give you a round of applause. All right. Thank you very much. That was fact or fake Tourette's edition. Not only did I realize that I'm a solid B student, but we learned an awful lot about Tourette's and we dispelled some common myths. Do you sound like this? Instead of like this, I am very pleased to make your acquaintance. You may have a rare condition known as loqui restromitis. Until now, there was nothing you could do about it. But scientists at Fixtick Laboratories have made a revolutionary breakthrough. Introducing Exequali. Whenever you're about to speak backwards, Exequali reconfigures the muscular response of the larynx, forcing the words to come out forward. So don't sound like this. Sound like this. I am very pleased to make your acquaintance. With Exequali. Side effects include loud burping, excessive mucus production, rashy armpits, dry eyeballs, light sensitivity, fear of the dark, inappropriate farting, loss of appetite, excessive appetite, accelerated digestion, constipation, sudden diarrhea, inflamed nostrils, fits of rage, walking sideways, uncontrollable hiccups, frequent salivating, rapid beard development, melancholy, hyperventilation, severe blinking, sharpening of the toenails, brittle bones, pancreatic abrasions, clumpy hair loss, enlarged ears, itchy sternum, reduced IQ, sporadic euphoria, and swollen feet. Ask your doctor if Exequali is right for you. The Zane and Dad Radio Hour does not endorse or discourage the use of Exequali. We were talking earlier about what does and does not make something an addiction. And we decided that, well, maybe we ought to go to the professionals and see what they have to say an addiction is. And while we're there, we're going to look up our other concepts for this episode, habits and ticks. All right. So according to the Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, 11th edition, a habit is defined as six, a settled tendency or unusual manner of behavior. Her habit of taking a morning walk. 7a, a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition or physiologic exposure that shows itself in regularity or increased facility of performance. B, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. Get up early from force of habit. C, addiction, a drug, a drug habit. Aha, so addiction is referenced here in our definition of habit. 
It seems like a habit in this thing, in the dictionary would be very similar to a addiction. It, and, the, and the word itself is reference. So let's yeah. go to tick. One, local or habitual spasmodic motion of particular muscles, especially of the face, twitching. Two, a frequent, usually unconscious quirk of behavior or speech, you know, is a verbal tick. So, you, like when someone says, you know, that's a verbal tick. Yeah. So it seems like ticks are just like kind of involuntary things by like blinking or stuff a like spasm that. Spasm of your face. Spasm of your face. I know people out there aren't going to be able to see it, but why don't you give me an example of a, of a face spasm? Okay. That's pretty good. I just twitched That my was cheek. a good twitch. That was yeah. a tick. So we've had an example of it here. You couldn't see it, but you can take my word for it that uh, Zane demonstrated an exceptionally good tick. Oh, thank you. He was voluntary in his case, and in the dictionary definition, it has to be involuntary. All right, addictions. All right, addictions is the big. This is the big one. This is the one we that guided us to the Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, eleventh yeah. edition. Addiction. One, a, the quality or state of being addicted. Addicted to reading. Two, compulsive need for and use of a habit-forming substance as heroin, nicotine, or alcohol characterized by tolerance and by well-defined physiological symptoms without withdrawal broadly. Persistent compulsive use of a substance known by the user to be harmful. So we had the word habit in there. So addiction Mm -hmm. and habit reference each other in the dictionary. Tick is off to uh-huh. the side on its own. Yeah, and may I note that addiction was where it was created in 1599, so this has been a lot, this has been around for a very long time. The origin of the word addiction has been around since the 16th century, the end of the 16th uh-huh. century. And the word addictive, which is right under, is defi- defined as causing or characterizing by addiction, an addictive drug or an addictive personality, and that was only created in 1939. That was almost like, like 400 years after. So the word addictive is uh, 20th century construction yeah. meant to uh, provide some kind of gloss on addiction, I suppose, which is an older word. It's probably like to describe, they probably used it to describe something. The word addiction probably describes a person who's addicted, while the word addictive describes a thing that's addictive. Like Well, heroin. it did say addictive substance or personality. So there are people who have addictive personalities. Uh-huh. It means that they are drawn more strongly, in my opinion, to addictive substances, and they're much more likely to be ensnared in these habit-forming behaviors. Okay. Well, there it is. The dictionaries take on habits, addictions, and tics. The Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, 11th edition, has had its say here on the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. On to the next segment. For this segment, we look in-depth at something that a lot of people would probably call a bad habit. It might even be considered an addiction by some. So, for the sake of our show, we decided to get deep inside this question. Now we have our very own Hadley Emerson interviewing Bernard, the nose-picking expert. Take it away, Hadley. Can you tell me how you became a nose-picking expert? Well, you see, it's really, you don't really have a common nose-picking expert on purpose. It's really just kind of something that happens over your lifetime. You you really, just like anything really, you just kind of do something a lot. And as you do it a lot, you get better. Practice does make perfect, as they say. And eventually, I just found myself to be a nose-picking expert. And uh, other people thought noticed that I was an expert and they began coming to me for advice. And so that's how I became an official nose picking expert is that people noticed my expertise and they came and sought my advice, just kind of like you're seeking the answers to these questions for me today. Tell us what you do with your nose picking expertise. 
well, of, of course, I keep my own nostrils extremely clear, and that's uh, that promotes nasal health. And, uh, well, people do seek out my expertise, and I, I help them with their nasal health as well. It's not it's not an income generator for me. People don't pay me for my expertise. They just ask and say, you seem to have extremely uh, clear nasal passages, nostrils without any boogers in them. And so I, uh, then they say, well, what, what exactly do you do? And I, so I show them and that's, that's what I do with it. I show them how to be a better nose picker, really. What do your family members have to say about you being a nose picking expert? Well, you know, of course, uh, my family's been extremely supportive of me uh, recently. I wouldn't say they've always been supportive of my endeavors as a nose picker. And they, they really, they never saw it as having much of a future. And so they, of course, like many families, without seeing the long term, they tried to dissuade me from becoming a nose picking expert. But I think that now that now that I have the expertise, now that people are coming to me to promote their nasal and nostril cleanliness, I, I, I would say that the family has, well, they're let's just say they're accepting now and i'm hoping that in the future perhaps they're going to see the true worth of my uh, long hard fought expertise in this particular area would you consider nose picking a habit or an addiction well i i i don't know that i would call it either habit or an addiction because it's really it's just a practice it's something that you do it's like yoga for your nostrils you just keep them clean and you get in there and you make sure that the nostrils and the nasal passages are free of impediments uh, that develop constantly so it's really i would say it's more of a it's more of a practice i guess that since i do it a lot uh all the time really it's that it would be a habit but like a good habit like the habit of you know say getting up and exercising or keeping your lawn mode uh, weekly what are some tips you have for amateur nose pickers? Well, of course, the, I would say the most, the commonest flaw of the amateur nose picker is having sharp and long fingernails because that can be that can be quite dangerous. And your nasal passages, your nostrils are actually quite sensitive areas. And so, I would say my main tip would be to keep those fingernails trimmed and filed and 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 soft. Uh, I would also say that uh, picking your nose while you're driving, well, that seems like an excellent time. You have a lot of time when you're not really doing much with your with your nostrils or your nasal passages that you you would be tempted to pick your nose while you're driving but that can be quite distracting because if, you, if you're trying to do it right if you're trying to really get those boogers out you really uh, that divides your attention and that could make you a danger on the road uh, and i would say that in just in general that you should uh, dedicate separate time from other activities to your nose picking don't try to mix it in with other activities like driving or operating heavy machinery or, or cooking uh I would say that that those are all really, I think, big, just amateur mistakes that I confess, of course, before I became an expert, I, I made those mistakes as well. I would like to say thank you very much for having me on the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. Uh, Hadley, thank you for the interview, the very thoughtful questions, and the opportunity to uh, to get my expertise out into the world and to inform the population about what, uh, what a nose-picking expert does and why it's an important kind of citizen to have, a global citizen to have in the world today. So thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you.
We're back with the Zane and Dad Radio Hour, Episode 2. Habits, Ticks, and Addictions. We've talked about some habits, we've talked about some ticks, and we've explored addictions. One of life's most destructive addictions, really, because it's so widespread and so available, is gambling. Now, Zane, you're a young man who clearly does not have a gambling problem. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would be like to be addicted to gambling? Here's what I imagine what would happen. So, I am in Las Vegas, and I decided, hey, why not? Let's try some gambling. What are like, you wearing at, in, uh, in Vegas? Oh, I don't know. You've got to set the scene here. Okay, so I'm like... You're in a casino. So, I'm in a casino. There's all the bing, bing, whoop, whoop, bing, bing, and like all kinds of slot machines and stuff. I am wearing, like, I imagine myself for some reason with like a backwards cap and like a jean vest with a hemmed. Or for some reason. A backwards cap and a hemmed jeans like a, vest. A backward red cap. I don't know why. Red, of course. Yeah, you're painting a picture here yeah. for us. It's very vivid. And I sit down with some friends and I'm like, hey, let's play some blackjack. I pay some money to the guy from my blackjack chip. I play and I'm the thing about gambling. It turns on the uh, dopamine in your brain. And so it makes you exhilarate. It makes you want to do it again. But, and that's actually, actually people design, gamblers design their games and the, and the machines so that it makes you exhilarate and you want to do it again. So casinos are creating an experience for us that will release dopamine so that we get hooked on... Gambling, yeah. So the addiction is not just something that people stumble across because they're weak, it's actually thrust upon them? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not, if, if it was completely thrust upon them, we would all be addicted to gambling, but... um. Excellent point. Can I continue with my story? You certainly can. Let's just say I um, made $100. Oh, so you're winning. I okay. win. I just like, I won $100. Right. If you're going to imagine yourself gambling, imagine yourself winning. Absolutely. No big deal. Why not? And so I'm about to walk away like, hey, I won $100. Let's just try and look again. Play. And so I take my $100 and I play again and I get like $200 and I'm like, oh, this is good. And so why not? And I keep playing and playing because like by this time I'm like I'm kind of winning now but then you're not kind of winning you absolutely are winning no I, I am winning and I'm getting money and I keep going but then one of the guys decides to leave and so everybody's like oh come on we need a guy but then in walks this cool guy with like slick back hair and sunglasses and a black vest and like a white t-shirt and black pants and he's just walking down and they're like hey I'll join your blackjack He's like, he's got this deep, rough voice, like, I'll join your, oh, no, I can't. I'll join your blackjack game. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's like really close to what I imagined. And he um, joins, and I'm like, oh, I'll play this guy. And I I keep losing. I I'm, I lost. I, I lose that time. I'm like, oh, I'll just keep playing. I'll win. I'll win. But I don't, and I get re, and my pockets get really empty. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't have any more money. And then I leave. And then I realize I don't have any money left, so I can't rent my hotel in Las Vegas. So I end up cutting out a cardboard box, drawing a sign, and holding it up and walking around Las Vegas, begging people to give me a couple cents. That's why I think that the gambling is very destructive. Is It's not like some of the other addictions that I listed back in the other segment. It's like it really impacts you because like you lose a lot of money. And let that serve as a cautionary tale to all of you out there who are not yet hooked on gambling. Don't get addicted. Yeah. That's a good lead in to a story that I would like to tell. This is about a guy I knew back in high school. 
A warning to our listeners, this next segment contains explicit language and mature content. If you think any of these things will be a problem for you, you should take your headphones off for about the next five or six minutes. Scott Skolnick ran the gambling operation at our high school. He was the kind of 15-year-old who had a full beard and a polyester leisure suit and a realistic fake ID that had him down as age 25. Once a month or so, he'd cut school and ride the bus down to Atlantic City with the senior citizens to lose our money at the blackjack tables. His parents had a fixed basement with wood paneling, drop ceiling, shag carpet, a mini fridge, and a big TV, the old kind with a gigantic tube that must have weighed 250 pounds. Most Saturday nights, they went out to the disco. That's what they called it, a disco though this was the mid-80s by then, and their disco was a place called The Dance Machine that my older sister Dawn also went to from time to time. And she told me years later it was a pretty lame, overly bright place with dirty laminate floors in the bar that looked like it belonged in a VFW. But the Skolniks made it sound exotic in Manhattan. The Skolniks seemed like swingers to us. Not that we knew what that meant. Not really. They were just young people out for a good time. People in their early 30s, which was a decade younger than most of our parents. We thought of them as middle-aged because they had teenage kids like all the middle-aged people we knew, but they were definitely not middle-aged. They drank cocktails right in front of us before they went to the disco, and they let their kids watch Cinemax and play Atari whenever they wanted. Mr. Skolnick had a hairy chest and a polyester leisure suit just like his son. He wore gold chains and big plastic frame glasses and looked exactly like I always imagined a mafia finance wizard looking. Mrs. Skolnick was lanky and fake tan with big, perfect boobs that I now know had to be fake. At the time, they just seemed perfect. She wore knit tube dresses and had frizzy teased out hair and used words like bogus and grody with ease and an obvious touch of irony. It's no wonder Scott Skolnick thought he could operate a sports book out of his locker. His banner product was the weekly football pool. Five bucks and you pick all 15 games subject to the Vegas point spread. Winner gets the whole pot. Scott Skolnick took a hefty cut, of course. A guy named Scott Skolnick never doesn't take something. I lost track of Scott Skolnick when I went to college, but I heard years later that he had a gambling problem. No shit he had a gambling problem. He had a gambling problem in high school. But he bought himself a used Datsun 280ZX with a T-roof when he was 17, and there was always beer in the mini-fridge in his parents' basement, so we didn't give him any shit about the gambling. I guess we kind of let him down that way. I ran into his younger sister Naomi once when I was visiting my parents for Christmas. She was wearing too much makeup and a dress only her mother could have pulled off, crying in the freezer section of the food town. She held a tub of ice cream and sobbed quietly while the other shoppers gave her a wide berth. Hey, Naomi, what's wrong? She looked up at me, angry and haggard. I hadn't seen her since she was a teenager. She was in her early 30s now, like her parents had been back in the day. She didn't have any of her mother's raunchy glamour, not the way she looked right then, but I could see signs of something sexy and wild behind the smudged mascara. It's Jack, Jack Miller. I was a friend of your brother's back in high school. I may as well have told her I had a subpoena. Yeah, well, he's dead now, so go fuck yourself in the ass. Is that why she was crying, I wondered? I ignored the snarl and took a sympathetic step forward. She must have read my mind because she added, It's been years now, so don't get all touchy-feely on me, asshole. Just leave me alone. She walked off toward the cash registers. How'd it happen? She turned and looked at me like I was the biggest fucking idiot in the world, which I suppose I was. 
Owe too much money to the wrong kind of people. What do you think, dickhead? Rest in peace, Scott Skolnick. Wow. That's, uh, hmm. That's interesting. Let that also be a cautionary tale to all you youngsters out there that you shouldn't gamble. When you mention habits, people automatically think of bad habits. You have a habit of procrastinating. You habitually pick your nose when you think nobody's looking. You bite your fingernails down to the nub. You need two cups of coffee in the morning before you can even begin to think. These are the kinds of things people associate with the word habit. But as we heard earlier, a habit is defined as, quote, a behavior pattern characterized by repetition or physiologic exposure that shows itself in regularity or increased facility of performance. Increased facility of performance. So habits can be positive as well as negative. And in 
fact, for decades, the self-help industry has tried to capitalize on the benefits that habitual behavior can provide by suggesting various habits with the alleged capacity to make our lives better, to make us more focused, more productive, more efficient, more successful, more organized, healthier, happier, beloved by all. Browse the self-help shelf in a bookstore and you'll find it bursting with habit books. The Power of Habit. Superhuman by Habit. Habit Stacking. 97 Small Life Changes That Take 5 Minutes or Less. Tiny Habits. Small Habits That Form Ripples That Turn Into Waves That Transform Your Life. Mini Habits. Smaller Habits, Bigger Results. Master the Day. Eat, Move, and Live Better with the Power of Tiny Habits. 10-Minute Declutter. The Stress-Free Habit for Simplifying Your Home. While there's a wide range of specific habits that these self-help guides recommend, the idea behind all of these books is the same. Create habits that do good things for you instead of wasting your time, energy, and resources, and bam, success becomes automatic. Put simply, turn the nature of habits into a benefit instead of a detriment. Let's take a look at the book that launched the positive habit craze, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, originally published in 1989 and now translated into 32 languages with over 20 million copies sold worldwide. So what are these seven habits? Number one, be proactive. Don't wait for problems to happen before taking action. Number two, begin with the end in mind. Envision what you want in the future so you can work and plan towards it. Number three, first things first. Basically, prioritize and act on top priorities first. Number four, think win-win. Look for mutually beneficial solutions or agreements in your relationships. Number five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Use empathetic listening to genuinely understand others. Others, which in turn leads them to listen to you with an open mind. Number six, synergize. Combine the strengths of people through well-designed teamwork to achieve goals that no one can reach individually. Number seven has an interesting name. Covey calls it sharpen the saw. The idea is to balance and renew your resources, energy, and health to create a sustainable, long-term, effective lifestyle. In a later book, The Eighth Habit, From Effectiveness to Greatness, published in 2004, Covey adds one more habit to list. Number eight, find your voice and inspire others to find theirs. I'm not exactly sure those eight so-called habits actually qualify as habits, at least as far as the definition of habits has it. I'd say they're more like practices or guiding principles, though I suppose the idea is they become more regular, more automatic after a while, so that you're doing them without thinking. So okay, habits of highly effective people. There it is, Zane Dad Radio Hour, Episode 2, Habits, Ticks, and Addictions. I think we've learned quite a bit today, haven't we, Zane? And where do we start as far as summing it up? Well, I think we should address this question that we kind of tossed out in the uh, dictionary segment, but we didn't really address, is what's the difference between a habit and an addiction? That's a good question. I'm not sure that I can answer that. Do you have an answer for that? I think I do. Uh, I think that an addiction... It's something that's bad, something that you want that is bad. And a habit is something that you want or that you do that is good. Except for the fact that habit is also says to be a bad habit. And so then it seems like an addiction is just another word for a bad habit. So Right. It's, it definitely seems like addictions are negative, whereas habits could either be positive or negative. But it seems like addiction is 
a more extreme version. Like you say a bad habit is chewing your nails, but a addiction is heroin. Maybe a habit is easier to get rid of than an addiction because it's just a regular behavior that maybe has kind of control over you a little bit, but an addiction is something that really has you by the claws. Yeah, so it seems like addiction is just an extreme form of a bad habit. I think that's a good way to put it. Habits could be good or bad, and a tick is... Really, a tick is just a twitch or some involuntary movement of body, so it's kind of like a habit. So, But it's, an inv- like- it's involuntary. A, a tick yeah. is something that is involuntary, and so you can't really break it. But it's kind of habitual in the way that it, you do it over and over again. So it seems like a habit is like the backbone for these different kinds of other things. Right. That's a good way to put it. The habit is the general behavior and a tick is something that's an involuntary habit. And an addiction is a bad habit that's very difficult to break. Right. Well, that's, uh, it looks like we've cracked the case then. Yeah. Is there anything else do you think we need to tell the listeners? Stay in school. Don't become a gambler. Yes. Don't, don't get hooked on heroin or chapstick. Or eating glass. Don't put the glass in your milk. Even though it won't get soggy, it still won't be good for you. Exactly. And it probably is going to cut your mouth up. So unless you're addicted to having a mouthful of blood, which probably there are people who have that addiction, you don't want to be doing that. Yeah, I was actually wondering like how that would feel. You were curious. Now there we go. Maybe the people who eat glass were simply curious what it would feel like. And they ate it and it felt... Must have felt good, right? Well, now that I think about it, like some of the addictions that I listed, they aren't good for you. No. They don't make any sense. And yet people are addicted to them. Like the glass, like you eat it, it cuts you up, and yet you still want more. It, it almost... It's a self-destructive behavior, but then again, so are most addictions self-destructive behaviors, and yet people continue to do them because for some reason, it grabs onto the pleasure center in their brain. That reminded me of a... Uh, something i watched about how addiction is not about the substance it's about your environment like if you're being treated badly or if you're not happy all the time or something like that then doing something that makes you feel good is actually seems like a good idea and so you keep doing it and then if you keep being that by environment then you keep wanting that thing right so the addiction the substance that you become addicted to fills a void in your life that makes you feel good even though that substance itself is not really good for you. Right. For example, in the Vietnam War, there were a bunch of soldiers who were taking heroin to make feel happy. And a bunch of Americans were afraid that when the soldiers came back, they would be like junkies and couldn't stop taking heroin. But what happened is that most of them, a large majority of them actually stopped using heroin when they came home. And most of them didn't even go into withdrawal therapy. That's interesting. So that that really says an awful lot because heroin is often considered to be kind of the gold standard of addictions, the one that has its strongest physical hold over the user. And you came across information that says that it was being used by these soldiers in a terrible situation to make themselves feel happy slash less horrified all the time. And when they were taken out of the war zone, they didn't bring that addiction home with them. And it makes sense if you believe the theory about the environment because when they're with their family they would feel happy and they wouldn't need to fill the void because the void would be filled with their family being happy and greeting them 
And All right. so, well, we're not scientists here at the Zane and Dad Radio mm-hmm. Hour, at least not yet. But we do have some information that comes from scientists, and so we're not going to draw a definitive conclusion about whether addictions are purely environmental, whether they're physiological, whether they fill a gaping void in our soul, or whether they are just something that makes us feel really good, and so we stick with them. We just wanted to get some information out there to our loyal listeners, and I think that mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Well, that was a good episode, Dad. I think so, too. And I think that the listeners have learned a lot about how it's takes and addictions that they can bring home and uh, apply to their life. Certainly. And if they haven't learned an awful lot, it's probably because they aren't listening. Yeah. Speaking of listening, you can listen to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour in the future when new episodes come out. Stay tuned to the podcast device of your choice. And for now, signing off, I'm Dad. And I'm Zane. And this has been the Zane, Zane and Dad, Dad Radio, Radio Hour. Hour. Thanks for listening. Those around.